and welcome to Daily Sports Science Locker Room Podcast. Uh, we're, we're previewing the All-Ireland Final this weekend. We've got our, our, our usual guests with us. We've got Mark Dorn. Uh, Mark was coach of Clare Senior Footballers this year and Daniel St. Ledger. Daniel, who's playing his trade as, as manager since Sylvester's in Dublin club scene. So two lads that are probably well familiar with these two teams. Uh, Mark, you've come up against both of them. Uh, both in the National League and the Munster Championship this year. And, and Daniel obviously has a very, very close insight into the, the club scene in Dublin and the strengths of, 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 of this Dublin team. Mark, probably start with yourself. A bit of talk during the week. Um, I suppose from a coaching angle, Jack O'Connor talked about their timing, their run, and a lot of teams that were shocked about how Kerry were performing early in the year. You obviously seen them early in the year um, in, in the Munster final. I know that day, obviously, there was an emotional element to it with, with the sad passing of, of, of the Clifford's mother the night before, and there was obviously a very emotionally charged game that game. But you talk about timing your run uh, and how other teams maybe were pumped for the National League and how Kerry were caught. Um, how do you, as a coach, like how, how do you time your run? Like, is it is? <laughs> it's easier to say that when you're in a final, I suppose. Yes, I don't think that I think with the new system in place, a congested system, I don't think you can time your run. Just look here, but look, I'll put it a different way. Jack O'Connor was not saying that this time last year when Kerry went and won the McGrath Cup, the National League, the Monster title, and the Larno went and won the lot. Now it's a wee bit easier to be able to sit and say this year. Or time they're on and look there it is it is as I know it's not a secret like probably their first two or three league games they weren't firing at boys the Cliffords obviously were missing because of the club seen that a few injuries I know even Claire played them in the McGrath Cup in January now it was just we actually put them on a Sunday down in Tralee on the Wednesday Court gave them a bit of a tank and Court's kicked for, or scored four goals five goals I think again then on the Wednesday night but I know Kerry only arrived home on the Tuesday from their team holiday. But I know that day they played Clare, like I think it was, I think there were 10 of their alarm when the team started. Mm. But to be fair, you knew from, I remember just talking to Paddy Talley after, they'd done no work before them two games. And they even, they were a wee bit worried the first couple of National League games that, that he actually nearly said to me, look, we're nearly right in the first two, two National League games. I've just, because we've done very, very little work. So in that sense, maybe yes, but as it's time in the run, look, it's probably easy saying that now, but. I go back to last year, there was no word of time to run. I don't think that's possible now, maybe with a new system in place, right? Maybe Kerry are different, but 90% of the teams, because the National League was so important this year. It was where you finished, obviously, playing Sam, where you're going to play in Talisman Cup. And then, obviously, if you look at Division 1, the Monaghan, the Armas, and all, where there was no way they were timing runs or Tyrone because they knew they had to hit the ground running first game. Now, it was interesting that I did think Dublin, now maybe Dublin were a wee bit different, where Dublin maybe could. I know maybe make a few changes, bring a few young boys in because they were playing in the Division 2, which, look, it's, it wasn't as intense or playing the top quality teams. It was still top quality, but it wouldn't have been near the same level as Division 1. So they maybe were able to bring a few players in and that. But if you look at the Dublin team that plays on Sunday, mm-hmm. it's still going to be pretty the old yard. Or maybe mm-hmm. like Lee Gannon's person, but it is. And if Sean Bugler makes it, but bar them couple, it is going to be the... The old yard again. So yeah. if Dublin found that many, no. But going back to your question to Jack O'Connor, look, it, it is easy saying that now. But look, they did. And I know before the Monster Championship, I remember they went to Portugal for five days. I know they got serious, serious work done on that five days. And they were home two weeks before the temporary game. And look, to be fair, 
Jerry, let's call it, not disrespect, look, Jerry are way ahead in Munster at the minute, mm-hmm. where they probably can do the volume of work up until a week before a game and think, yes, we'll get away with it because we're not facing a Derry, we're not facing a Dublin, or we're not facing the own Galway and the Revenge. So they probably have that advantage of knowing they can do a volume of work in that. Now, Kerry was playing the Ulster Championship. Would they have got the chance to do that volume of work? I don't believe it. If they're playing the Connacht Championship again, maybe a Mayo or Galway force lift, they never would have got that volume of work. And maybe because they were thinking, right, with Tipperary, they had a three week break from their National National League. Sorry, a four week break, I think it was, from their National National League game. They went in the holidays, so they a four week lead into the Tipperary game. And then they did a two week end of the Clare game. Then I always remember the Clare before Clare played Kerry. We fairly care about Kerry, but our Clare boys were very, very confident. Like, they were making no mistake. And we felt that if we could do certain stuff right, we'd go and win the game. And make look, I know people says, oh, Clare were very open, but we took the thing was, geez, we still need to win the game. If we're going to kick, we felt we could kick 18, 19 points and need to win the game. The only thing is, we give five turnovers and end up five goals. Now, to be fair, it was emotionally charged that day. I remember Kerry, there was just a feeling because the whole... Once the Clifford's mother sadly passed away that Saturday, there was like Saturday afternoon, will they or will they not play? And then you knew in Sunday when you seen them there, and there was just, a, I don't know, there was a real focus. But the one thing that day, and even though, look, it was the Curie's forward movement, and it was something I hadn't seen all year from them. Mm. It was their movement that day was really, really good. But look, Claire, Claire, you five turnovers, five bad turnovers, and ball ends up in the net. But it's the Curry do time to run, maybe, maybe he is right. Because he did get to do that volume of work inside, but this time last year he wasn't saying that when he went one the up. And Daniel, just on that, like Mark touched on it, you know, unquestionably, you can talk about time and runs. Unquestionably, probably in the past, uh, you know, having played for for over a decade in Leinster yourself, you you probably would have seen that Dublin team tiddling along in Leinster, and then obviously I know the format's quite different this year, uh, but even their game against Roscommon, the first group game, they didn't look, you know, just fully at it, like, is is there an element of these teams probably just with experience and know-how, and I know they obviously have the quality, that they are just timing the run, particularly Dublin, obviously, who used to t- Division 2, as Mark said, the blood players, but but still really and truly, as Mark rightly pointed out, the tried and tested men are still are still standing up, well, what's your what's your thoughts on on that? From a Dublin perspective, yeah, I, I, like I suppose you could look at you know periodizing your training, and, and I, we're probably not the best man to be talking about strength and condition here. But but like you know, there's an element of as Mark was talking to the volume of work, um, the type of work you're doing, the type of year you're doing it, um, or the time of year you're doing it. I I, I think look, there's there's definitely an element, um, and even if you take it away from let's say the the, the heavy running stuff that teams do midweek in between league. Which I'm not sure really exists in an intercounty setup these days. Like, how how much time can you on a Tuesday after a national league game on a Sunday? How much time can you go and do blocks and mass runs and different things like that with with another game coming up the following Saturday? I, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but from from the time and point of view, like it, it's probably the energy you're putting into training. I'd imagine there's definitely an element of just get through the next couple of months so we can get to Croke Park in in, in I suppose it's July now and, and June used to be September. But I, I think and it's kind of similar to Kerry. I'd say it's very hard for players to get that energy consistently over seven league games over three provincials that, as we're alluding to, might not necessarily be the most exciting for you. And then you look at, you're going into another three group games, one of which might be important, the other two, maybe, maybe not, you'll, you'll probably get through. Like really, the stuff only got going probably 
for the quarterfinals. And I, I think a huge amount of it, as Jack O'Connor was saying, is, is there's a bit of revisionism because you're looking at it last year, as you said, balls out for absolutely everything. Uh, and this and, and trying to make your mark on, on, on a squad and trying to buy yourself some credit in the bank. But the reality is, especially Kerry in Dublin, can pretty much just rely on having better players than most teams and being at 50, 60%, not necessarily fitness, but, but 50 or 60% energy. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's probably the folly of kind of the, the provincials as well, to a certain degree, that, that those teams can do that. Like, and and you, you're talking about, you know, the two Ulster teams who probably have had a more attritional, um, a more attritional couple of months in comparison to Kerry and, and, and Dublin, like falling away in the last 10 minutes. I'm not sure if that's any coincidence, you know. Um, but look, it's ultimately when you when you come back to it, you know, you've probably got when you when you take away the provincials and all the kind of all the stuff around it, you've ultimately got probably the two best teams. And I have a real suspicion this is going to be a cracker on Sunday. I, I could see a real shootout coming. But it's um yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Like if if Kerry win, Jack O'Connor be right, the time to run perfectly. If they don't win, well, they were either undercooked or they're overcooked. And ultimately that's the way these things get looked at. It's it's all it all depends on your results, you know. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. I know Daniel, you said there we wasn't much true about strength conditioning, but I'm actually just back in the gym there. So you two guys can speak for yourselves, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Mark, Mark, going on to Daniel's point there about Sunday being a being a cracker. Obviously, we, we had an interview during the week from Gareth McKinless, um, you know, who had a wonderful semi-final. Uh, and he spoke about the video that they watched, obviously. You know, nowadays we all know ourselves the, the amount of analysis and research that goes into teams and you've behind the goal footage and you've, you know, you have cameras at every angle in the ground. And obviously you have a, a team of analysis and stats men in every county team. So anything that you need, you know, you have now, there's, there's no secrets about any team. But but he, he mentioned a very interesting thing about Kerry going man to man and how they would leave you know, two to three players free in certain oppositions. So, for example, they targeted the likes of Michael O'Neill and Tyrone where they nearly wanted him on the ball because they know that maybe he wouldn't hurt them as much as a Myler or a McGeary. But obviously Derry exposed this in, in a huge way in the first half, you know, and created so many opportunities in the first half. And I thought they were they were Derry were absolutely outstanding right up until the, the decision on, on Stephen O'Brien. Do you think Kerry will adopt that same approach on, on Sunday? As in, yeah. as in man to man? Well, I think it'll depend what way Dublin set up. Now, Chair Derry, I thought, were very, very smart. They were very smart. Derry do this all the time. When Derry go on attack, Kerry couldn't get tied Molly field to play as a free because Kerry, Derry simply pushed everybody inside the 45 bar. Christy, Christy obviously stayed in Clifford, but I remember he was sitting in the Hogan stand and just, it was fascinating. I remember I've seen Kerry twice this year where Ty Molly just played top of the D and in between the D. He didn't get to do that because what Derry did was he pushed everyone. And Kieran McFall then went and actually stood in the middle of the D. And you could see Moyley time when he was sort of wondering, why go on him? And he did go on him. Then he, once he didn't go on, McFall checked the point. And it, it just took away that plus one right away. And then it was left. Owen Lynch was really, really good now, to be fair. And the likes of Garth McKinley. I mean, Garth McKinley backed himself when he was one-on-one with certain boys. I'm going to go at him here because, yes, Darren Moyne and they're great forwards, great, but a lot of the carry to forward, you could see their forward line. They weren't very comfortable when they were inside their own 50 and they're putting the back foot with a Brenton or a Brenton Rogers or Conor McCrossey or Garth McKinley or Conor Doherty. They boys running. And to be fair, Derry put them really on the back foot. And it's the first time I've actually seen Kerry for a wee while defensively they looked everybody looked really uncomfortable 
mm. when they hadn't got the ball because they knew I got one on one and I thought look Derry were very smart now you mentioned Gareth McKinless and he had a super game but he had a super game offensively he had a serious game offensively but I thought defensively I don't think if Rory Gallagher had been there Gareth McKinless would have been a lot better defensively you watch an Ulster champion there, Gareth McKinless was brilliant at doubling up at cutting interception balls but I think Gareth maybe found it says well I'm just going to go here go 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 and he was very good causing serious trouble but I thought especially start of the second half for 10 or 15 minutes he maybe wasn't as good defensively as he has been previously because maybe he just thought well I'm getting serious joy at going this other way and nearly neglect my and it's the first time we're saying about Curry were in fact were Curry were really good or really uncomfortable defensively. But in the second half, it's the fourth time, and I've seen Derry five or six times this year. It's the fourth time I've seen Derry a lot of times one v ones at the back, and even Chrissy looking, leaving in my eyes the best forward who's ever played the game. And I've seen it a wee bit strange that Derry left him one v one a lot of times. But do you not think, Mark, do you not think, though, when you listen to Kiermina after he talked about they were coming to win the game and yeah. they weren't they weren't going to have any regrets? So was there an element of maybe, look, we're going to throw the, everything at this, you know, get a lead? Well, I'll go to, I, I thought, well, and then, look, it's always easier after the game to say, oh, this and that. But I did think, like, you knew at half-time, but Kerry were three up at half-time, and you knew getting at half-time, Kerry was going to come out. Yeah. The first 10 minutes, they were definitely going to come out with that. We talked about that third quarter, sting in the tail. Now, I thought if Derry had a sat tight and tried to keep it tight even for the six or seven instead of going. Yeah. Gone, who knows? Look, it's very easy. If Derry went to throw up and go up the field and go four up, then everybody will say, yes, but in the space of six minutes, I thought it was very easy for Kerry to get back into the game because Derry was so open. If as open as I have seen Derry in a long time. Yeah. Yes, they were good going forward, really, really good. But I felt even for 10 minutes, maybe it's sort of saying, just keep it tight, maybe try and frustrate them because kill Kerry's energy. Because Kerry did come out sort of saying, half with serious energy. Now, on the flip coin, when it went level again, Derry went and kicked on and should have, like, Derry should have won the game. If make, if take Joe McQuillan, take all the decisions out of the game. Derry had enough chances to win the game and just didn't. But the point was, you're saying, well, double, I'm watching you, you're thinking, no doubt Dublin will analyze that. This one. And that's one thing Dublin, I think, will target right to merely make Kerry feel uncomfortable. Maybe we need to push mm. when we have the ball, make every Kerry defender man up, man on man and push. Now, I don't think Derry, Dublin, and you're going to say, Jesus, that's a big statement. Like, All right, Jack McCarthy and that. But I do think Kerry will be happy to let maybe a make for some, a couple of Derry, but Dublin boys have the ball. And to be fair, look, Stephen Fluxon, as good as a goalkeeper he is, the kickers and all, he won't. He's not going to be, quit the field. No. Mm-hmm. He won't come out the way Owen Lynch. And to be fair, Owen Lynch was really, really good in the first half. And you, Jerry, were panicking for a wee while, just not knowing what they're doing. And you know yourself, you can have all the video analysis and you can watch the video until you're actually in the moment. Because no doubt Jerry would have watched the videos and went, right, we have to do this. And Owen Lynch will have to do But it's all right sitting in a video room. Yeah, we're going to do this. But when you're in the heat of the moment and Derry have 14 men pushed up the field and you have 14 Kerry men marking a Derry man next time, Oren Lynch comes up the field. Mm. It's who's going where. That's, you know, yeah. it's a different, but that's the one thing we're saying Dublin, I think that's the, Dublin won't bring plucks in that far up the field. Well, maybe they'll, maybe, maybe they'll surprise us on Sunday and don't. So on that thing, I don't think Dublin will come with the same game plan, but look, 
And again, we're talking two weeks. Dublin haven't been doing that all year, so I can't imagine in four sessions or five sessions. Yeah. Before the Larry Fane, they're going to say, right, Tuxin, you're cut, Stephen, you're coming up the field. You're going to come into the 45. We're going to push everybody up. Yeah. And just on that, uh, Mark, like, you know, that's that's probably not going to happen, Daniel. Like, Mark talked there about, you know, trying to trying to play a different way. Dublin aren't going to play a different way. Like, you, there's no way in four to five sessions. You think of Derry, like, that process has taken Derry now two to three years to coach and install into their team. And obviously, Kerry, you know, wouldn't have been preparing for Derry. Like, you know, obviously, Kerry would have been thinking, right, you know, we, we've, we maybe have bigger fish to fry than this. But I would say there was an element of maybe Derry caught Kerry a little bit. But surely, Daniel, with um, with Dublin's firepower and their forward line, they they'll not they'll not try and play any different way than what they've been playing. Would, would it be right there? Yeah, it's it's interesting actually. You're talking about the firepower firepower they have. Like last day, you were looking at probably they played maybe four or five inside forwards as part of their six forwards, and I I think that threw off the balance of their team completely. You know, um, yeah. I, I think Bugler was a massive miss. I, like I think he links an awful lot of stuff for Dublin. Probably does some unseen stuff. Um, I think the talk up here was a hamstring injury might be back. I think it's been about four weeks now, so he could be back in contention. I think he's an important one that 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 is going to be needed, and especially for that role about tying up tying up uh, Tyg Morley. You know, I, I think he could cause Morley some serious problems. Even different to let's say uh, Kieran Kilkenny, for example, who plays an awful lot around the cordon and will link play nicely, but might not be that that running threat, that incisive threat. That like and and call a spade a spade. No no different to Kerry. I thought Monaghan caused. Dublin, huge amounts of problems, especially in that first half. Mm-hmm. Um, like McInnesby's goal, that really should have been popped Stephen O'Hanlon. That should have been a walk-in goal, very well defended by Mick Fitzsimons. But nonetheless, that should have been a goal. Like I, I think you're going, I think you're going to see opportunities. I think both teams, Derry and Monaghan, exposed flaws in both Kerry and Dublin. Yeah. And as we were talking about, like it's very hard to, to go man to man the way a lot of like the way they are for the most part, but still to try and get that plus one. And I think that's where obviously Oren Lynch caused massive problems because when everyone else is manned up and you just have one spare, that's a domino effect. And you could see that for you could see that for the goal. Like, I mean, the goal was one of the easiest, the, the Derry goal was the easiest goal they'll ever get. It was one runner, and then it was just hand pass, hand pass, hand pass. Brendan Rogers are finished, or whoever ended up knocking it in. But it's like I, I can see I could see I could see a few goals in this. I could see two goal, two or three goals each if they go with the same approach of that that man-to-man stuff, because all you're looking for is one breach. And like one breach, you've got a goal here. And and that that's a dangerous game for both of them to be playing. But I to answer your question originally in a long way, no, I, I don't see anything different happening. Um, I also don't necessarily see, even though he got a point the last day and he gave uh, he gave Shane McGuigan the arse in the face, I can't imagine um, Shane Ryan coming out the field a whole lot either. I don't think it's his natural thing. I think Kerry are happy enough for him to stay put. And that's probably down to like, you, you, when you compare the full back lines even, you're looking at you're looking at the Dublin full back line. You're looking at uh, Davy Byrne. You're looking at Lee Gannon, Mick Fitz. Like t- compare that with Tom Sullivan, Graham Sullivan. Those boys could actually really cause you problems. I don't think yeah. Mick Fitz and, and Davy Byrne are overly comfortable being in the attacking half of the field. So I don't see, I don't think you're going to see this, the same type of game. Let's say that we saw in the semi-finals where you had full fourteen all-out attack, that kind of stuff. I think we're going. To, I think we're going to see a type of game that both of these teams want to play, which is. I think it's going to be a pure football match, let's say, if you want to call it that way, with two kind of relatively, I'd say it'll set up relatively traditionally. And I'd, I'd, outside of the two plus ones, probably Brian Howard will try to be a plus one a lot of the time. Um, and I'd say I, I, I'd say Tyke Morley will, will do the same. But for the most part, 
for the most part, this is going to be about the matchups. I think this is going to be about who gets their matchups right. And look, there'll be some there'll be some class ones. I'd imagine McFitz and Clifford is going to be a battle. But ultimately, as Mark alluded to, if you leave Clifford one on one, he is going to score minimum six, seven, eight points. There has to be some element of a double up. And maybe, maybe the last day Derry said, Well, look, we're not going to be able to stop him regardless. Let's get him, let's get let him get his couple of points, but let's try and do some damage in the other foot. And it wasn't a million miles away from working, to, to be fair to them. You know, I mean, that, that, that Stephen O'Brien call in the free, that, that was probably the turning of the game one way yeah. or the other. Like, that was a massive energy giver for, for Kerry, and it sucked the life out of Derry because they had a massive turnover. They were probably going to go down the far side of the field, and Kerry got a massive press on the kickouts from there on in. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be high scoring. I think it's going, there's a certain naivety about both teams defensively, um, that is going to make this massively intriguing, I think. Yeah. Just on that, Vice, I'm going to come to two of you. This, like, you talked about man-to-man and you talked about press and et cetera. We're going to come to kickouts in a second. But surely, lads, there has to be an element of they're the best teams, right? They are the best teams and the final is the best teams. But they're also the most, the best conditioned teams, in my honest opinion. And I know Derry have tried to get themselves to that level from a conditioning point of view over the last few years. But you look at the Monaghan game, Mark, and the way Dublin, it okay, it wasn't a third quarter squeeze, but in the fourth quarter, you know, the, the conditioning and the energy levels, I think there was a press at one stage on a short kick out from Began that pinned Monaghan into the corner with a full court press, you know, and it, it ultimately actually was the winning of the game where they went in that sort of blitzkrieg and they, they had the ability to do that. But surely to God, you know, not only are we looking at the two best teams in the country, but we're also looking at the two physically best teams. I remember, Mark, actually a quick one, 2015, I think it was, Pete McGrath was over for Manor. And I remember chatting to Pete after that played Dublin and he, he was just mystified he says like you don't believe it until your pitch side the athleticism of them when they're going past you he says just the pace the power the strength you know and that's obviously been a process mark that's taken a long long time surely has it yeah look and funny i had the same conversation with we peak but i even gone back to and he referring but i mean even that saturday night claire played dublin and now to be fair dublin were poor but seeing the last 15 minutes they brought jack mccaffrey come on and fenton got into his groove yeah. and they the running part it was just, and it was just like a blue wave coming after wave after wave after wave. Now, and conditionally, they are, both teams are at the church. I do believe Derry are nearly there. They're getting there. So, look, that's everything. But, look, you mentioned the thing. They are still the two best teams in the country. I know when I hate, I know you're going to say, I would give up, change the record. But I remember saying this months ago to you. Iron <laughs> in years, and I was going, no, it's Dublin and Kerry. I don't see anybody. Neil and now, yes, people say Derry and Monaghan, Derry were close, but I'll flip it a different way. In my age, David Clifford, Tom O'Sullivan, and maybe Gavin White, bar that, Kerry were very, very poor and still won the game. Mm. Okay, Dublin again, my own, or Dublin again, Monaghan. Dublin mm. were poor, just, and this Monaghan should have been more in front in the first half, but I felt then that we all were, we all were ready for that third to three quarter, or the third quarter squeeze from Dublin. It didn't happen, but it come in the fourth, but it was our big players. Again, and look, uh, Daniel made an interesting point that Dublin had no balance in their team in the first half. With They played four, it actually four inside men, then they're six forward, and I think Paddy Small probably won't start. Now, Daniel maybe knows this, but what is the crack in Kieran Kilkenny? Like, why is he not starting? I know people say he's very... Maybe Desi wants the ball going at pace forward where Kieran very wants to play. But I remember Jim Gavin one of the years. I was actually listening to Kieran Kilkenny podcast 
and it was actually one of the years, Paddy Andrews, who said that, yeah, or Jim just came in and says, right, Kieran, I'm not playing you this game. He was that one of the Lancer games, and Kieran said, why is it? Because I want you going forward, committing in. Jim Gavin played him, he kicked five points the next game. And Paddy Andrews says, just having a conversation with him, he says, why do you not do that all the time? So yeah. maybe it's that a conversation that because it, it's like Paddy Anders was it's and it, it's in his locker he can do it, but it's just yeah. will he do it now? I think Dublin will start him this week because I'll be basically honest with saying they're the two best teams. I don't think if I'm looking at the two teams on paper, I think Kerry have the far better footballers from mm-hmm. one to fifteen. I think they'll all be comfortable. If you, if you think back to last year's semi final, got Kerry were leading six points and then there's a turnover under the Hogan stand. Give it more and give a ball away. Ball up down on the field. Goals. Dublin got themselves back in the game. Got it back to that point. And now we talked about by there, Shane Murphy. And I thought, everybody talked about Clifford in their defence, but I thought Shane Murphy was the boy that beat Dublin last year. He had three massive kickouts. The kick, and everybody was saying, lump the ball down. Dublin went on a massive squeeze and he still found three wee pockets mm-hmm. for Jerry to win the kickouts on. So look, It'll be it'll just be fascinating that way, but they are the two best conditioned teams in the country, the two best footman teams in the country. Yeah, Daniel. One thing I would always notice, actually, even just from playing yourselves last year in a challenge match, like even even the general club footballer in Dublin just seems to be so well conditioned, and I, I don't just mean conditionally, you know, from a, from a running perspective, like, but from a physical perspective, like, and surely it can't be just DNA or genetics. Like, there's got to be a process there that that our clubs in Dublin S and C coaches from a very young age. What what is going on? Like, could you give us a bit of an insight into into why the conditioning levels are so high? Yeah, well, like you, you, there definitely is a culture of it. First and foremost, like I mean, if you look at any, let's say, senior footballer in Dublin, they're a club footballer. They're saying to themselves, "Well, if I have any ambitions of either, firstly, competing at club football, or secondly, trying to get on to the next level, inter-county level, I have to be at a massive level of SNC. That's just the bottom line. You have to be, you have to be in the gym, on the on the pitch. You have to be durable. All those things are just kind of." base level so there, 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 there's a culture there that, that lads are just doing that and that, and that's even just to survive at, at, at a club level like you we, we've played 14 division one league games like the attrition rate is phenomenal like the, the you have to be at a certain level or you're just going to break down you know you won't be able to compete and um, a lot of clubs are employing like club teams are employing like athletic development coaches for the whole the whole grade up from under 14 right through to senior and that's a full-time position that'll be taking care of snc from when you come into your under 14 team the whole way up to senior and and so you, so you're getting you're getting players that are ready made when they're coming out from under 20s they're ready made then for senior football you know and, and there there definitely is an, uh, an emphasis on that now a lot of that will come down to money as well like i mean how many clubs can afford to pay 40 50 grand to an athletic development coach you know it, it's you know <laughs> the, the numbers sometimes don't stack up for a lot of places but it gives you it definitely gives you a huge advantage you know that, Daniel, um, Daniel some counties don't even have an athletic development coach you know our own county yeah, doesn't yeah. have an athletic development coach you know and that's that's a huge advantage over anyone you know I, I know I know um who was it Daniel went to Irish rugby um was it Martin Kennedy Martin Kennedy I went to Irish rugby he was the he was the player he was the athletic development coach at Dublin for a long time but he he was actually headhunted by Irish rugby by the RFU. Like so it shows you the caliber of people working within Dublin GA as well. I know they're all volunteers, don't you know we heard that before they're all <laughs> volunteers. I so. was starting to worry there. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I was actually thinking not only now do the full time club manager. But here <laughs> all, don't don't forget Dublin GA. Remember they told us they're all volunteers. Jim Gavin said that one, didn't they? They're we're all volunteers. So uh but on a serious note, Ledge, you know, like that's 
that's huge like when you have got that in your club like that's fucking huge like the culture but it, is, it, it is it is it is interesting like you talk about managers there and we're talking about like what's going to benefit teams like there's definitely club managers around the country that are and let call a spade a spade are getting a nice a nice wedge of cash for for two or three years you know and you're just wondering Christ above it, if we pool that money that we spent over the last 10 years on one team and put that into someone that could work with full-time work with your 14-year-olds mm-hmm. right the way through. And, and we're not talking about putting bulk on 14-year-olds. You're talking about giving yeah. them basic movement patterns to make them faster and stronger. And like, imagine investing that money in, into that. Like that, that could be transformative for a club that you don't have just one good senior team. You have a, a, a drip feed of players that are coming through year on year ready to play senior football. And all of a sudden, your senior manager then doesn't have to spend six months of the year trying to get these lads up to a condition. Yeah. They're, they're, they're ready made, you know. So anyway, to go back to your question, there is a culture. There, that is the big thing. And I'm sure to look to cultures in a lot, a lot of the top counties. But like we go back to ourselves in Carlo and, you know, Kieran Nolan, our SNC coach, or Damien Sheen. Like you'd be trying to pull and drag lads into the gym. The same culture isn't there because ultimately you can get away with playing senior club football in Carlo without ever going near a gym. You can probably for fuck's sake, lads! You had a I had a bag. You boys to put your boots on for fuck's sake. They were <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> but 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 it, but it is true though. Like it is true, and, and it's the same with it's the same with the county stuff. Like I mean, there when you have numbers, if you have eight hundred people to pick from, right, yeah. eight hundred senior players as opposed to three hundred. Well, you're going to get some superhuman freaks in that eight hundred. You might get twenty, but you might only get three in the smaller pick. You know, and ultimately it does come down to numbers. But definitely there's a culture of SNC that's in Dublin that I like you go to you go to any club game, any club league game, they're almost look you're looking like midfielders in division four games are playing wing backs and cornerbacks. You know, there yeah. there are no small men and that's that's just no curious that's no coincidence. Like, you know. Yeah. Well lads look, you know, everyone's gonna talk about everyone's gonna talk about, you know, the matchups, Foley and Clifford, you know, will McFitz pick up or sorry, McFitz pick up Clifford, will Foley pick up Con, you know, and and obviously, you know, they're the they're the normal match winners and the the standout match winners. But for me, and I don't know if you agree with this, like I, I obviously feel kickouts are going to have a major impact on this, right? I think kickouts are going to have a huge impact. I think kickouts with a difference in the the Kerry Derry semi final, particularly that squeeze that Kerry put on. I think Kerry's going to go after Cluxton. I don't know how you see it, Mark, but from a kickout perspective, and I suppose the people listening here in daily sports says a lot of them are coaches. A lot of them coach at a different level. Some are coaching at club level. Some are coaching at intercounty level. But from a kickout perspective, like how much work? Is going into these kickouts, like give us an insight, like how much work are these teams putting in? Well, it's serious. I know just even from Clare, we would have spent at least, say, we were training twice during the week, at least 20 minutes every night, maybe 25 minutes was kickouts. Now, to be fair, people say, Oh, so you just said kick. No, we run in house games, but we've done different kickout scenarios. There's no point setting a drill up and kick out, you must bring it into a game. And I would say 20 minutes every night. Every night we were in the pitch. It was a 20, and I've no doubt there's other tests. Massive now, because look, there is, if you can win ball in your own kick out, game has developed that much. There's so many good footballers. And look, I'm kind of like, you don't want to give a team the ball. But yet, to be fair, Kerry and Tyrone were happy to give Tyrone, and they were happy to give Derry the ball. But it's very interesting when Kerry did go the massive squeeze, they mm. won serious ball, and everybody was talking about this week midfield. Yeah. Like when Kerry really backed themselves and went after, they won the kickouts. Well, Mark, you talk about you talk about a weak midfield. Like surely now in the modern game, you know, 
the way break ball is, if you if you put a press on, you have a zone press, you have a back line of four, you have eight athletes jumping for a ball at six foot two, six foot three, unless you're an absolute complete dominant figure like a David Moore, and there's very few clean catches. You know, all you have to do is go behind somebody right. and take a ball and then and take it, your chances. And it is that hunting that break ball, like and it's Absolutely. the bodies in around it. But I don't like people say about break ball. I don't I don't think it is a skill. I think break ball yeah. comes down to an element of luck and momentum. Yes, desire. Yeah. I want that yeah. that one like Paul Gavin was brilliant. Brian Durher, if you go back, Greg Blaney, even in the early 90s, it was just yeah. I remember I was having a conversation with Greg Blaney. And he says, What he says, I just wanted it. I just followed the flight of the ball. But he says, There's so many people that a break ball teams get round bodies around a break ball, but there's so many players now when the ball's in the air, they're standing under the midfield, just standing still wanting the ball to drop. He says, I always tried to time my run. That I was coming when that ball was just about to hit the ground. I was running a pace on it. And I thought it was a very, very good point. Interesting. Where, yeah. You know, that he where he said there was three or four men standing waiting, where mm. I always tried. He says, now not every time, but he says a lot of time. He says, I was coming at pace. And then if somebody was in front of me, I hit them and just run through them. Mm. But I said, I've got the ball, but look, the kick out is massive. And I think we you know you know this too. Dublin actually played Anthem this year in Park Esker in a challenge game before they played Louth. That's right, I was at it, yeah. Uh, and uh, Dublin went on a massive, massive press. And I don't know if it's only a challenge game, but it just shows you there's no doubt Dublin took that game, but the whole focus was on a kick-out press. Yeah. I think yeah. that was played during the week. Ten days later, they played Louth in the Leinster final and absolutely destroyed Louth. That's right, that's right. So there was, Dublin played a challenge game and the whole focus for that challenge game was on mm. pressing the kick-out. So yeah. just but so yeah. much... Serious work goes into it, like it, it really, really is. Yeah, and Edge, obviously, you know, from a Dublin perspective as well, obviously, you know, Stephen Cluxton, a man you know very well, like obviously he has changed goalkeeping forever, let's be honest, you know, in, in his approach. And I think maybe there was a there was an article, I, I read an article somewhere, I can't remember what it was, but he talked about, or he didn't talk because he doesn't do interviews, but it talked about <laughs> it talked about how, how his preparation were, he was at training nearly an hour and a half before nearly every player, you know, that the, the work that goes in there. So like there obviously is a huge emphasis now on on on, on the kickout strategies, Daniel. Yeah, well look, even even, you know, I suppose it, it's nearly for goalkeepers especially and, and Mick Sheila, our goalkeeper, would have been would have been in that process for a while. And you wouldn't obviously not much gets out. But you know, they they talk about like nearly it's nearly two different training sessions. So the goalkeepers would have their own training session before the actual training session, you know, and, and then yeah. when, when they come out as, as a they're working on their ball skills, working on their their striking, their their placement in where they are in the where they are in, in the pitch in relation to the goal and all that kind of stuff. But then they come out into the bigger thing and apply that into a team session you know it, it's funny it's it's funny about the kickouts like because I, I remember that loud game and Dublin weren't really aggressive with loud until probably that second half you know and it almost looks like there, there's been I, I've been wondering why aren't they why aren't they doing this more regularly especially against teams that they're they're clearly better than but obviously they're waiting for they're waiting for these big days like I mean I, I don't think they're going to push every kick out against uh, against Kerry it'll be any transition kickouts at all it'll be probably drop off to the 45 more or less and probably Kerry will do the same they're they're waiting for the moment from the free watch the trigger and it'll be four five six kickouts in a row and you could have a little blast of one two one three or four points or something like that it's um it, it's and 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 in relation to Cluxton I like I, I I he's probably lost maybe 10 yards to what he has maybe but there is no coincidence that Dublin have have stopped conceding since he's came back they haven't conceded goals and their kickout percentages have been really really good since he has came in like so there's no doubt he has 
he just has the the I think he definitely has the trust of the players and he has, mm. I, I think he has the experience to be able to pick off whatever he sees. Like, I mean, you go back to 2016. Do you remember that when Kerry got the two goals just before halftime? Yeah. Um, I think it was 2016. And and he he was, that's as rattled as I've ever seen him. And he came out in the second half and it was like nothing had ever happened. Like, I mean, you cannot buy that experience. And <laughs> and I, I thought it was, I thought it was a funny move getting it back, to be honest with you, because it wasn't, it wasn't given the thumbs up to David O'Hanlon or to Evan Comfort. I know Evan Comfort had an injury or our own fellow Mick. It wasn't exactly telling them, right, boys, you're the future. This move was getting him back because he knew we needed him. And yeah. ultimately, I think that's going to be a massive, massive differentiator. And and uh, as we mentioned earlier, Shane, Shane Ryan is probably underrated a little bit because he, he maybe... I, I'm, not so, I'm not so sure do our Kerry ever under that much pressure, but his composure... His composure when the squeeze come, comes on is absolutely phenomenal. I think Shane Ryan is a top top keeper, um, and I, I'd say I'd like I, I'd say you're going to have to pick your moments very very quickly to go for a squeeze because these like especially Ryan Ryan can beat you over the top if you go with eleven players inside their sixty five he'll beat you over the top uh, if you if you leave little pockets for them he'll go for them like you know he's almost soccer player style goalkeeper like it's a lovely strike so it's um it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting I just be curious to see when both teams pull the trigger. You know? Yeah, and you talked there about Cluxon, Daniel, about the influence that he's had. You know, and and obviously you're talking about it's not that you're you're being disrespectful to the younger keepers, but to have him in the changing room, that level of leadership, Daniel, surely like it's just as invaluable at that level, absolutely invaluable. Yeah, that. yeah. Like it's funny. Like I obviously I don't know what he's like in in a, in a football environment, but like you, I see him in school sometimes. Like and he's a pain in the arse. Like, but he's but that's the way he is. Like because he's just it's just his nature to be ultra prepared for everything like you know you, you kind of ask him what are you doing over the weekend and he'd be saying oh, I'm preparing my slides for Monday's class it's like will you go away will you go off and enjoy yourself and get some dinner but but that's that's the nature of him that's what he does you know and and I'd say he probably once he had all his slides and powerpoints done for his class I'd say he sent himself well I may go back to the football now you know, because I've nothing left but, <laughs> but that's the nature that's the nature of him it's just that preparation is like the amount of work he'd do on his own is just insane on teams. Yeah. You know, he is he's he's a sports freak, but he will look at he'd look at matches and he'd be able to pick apart things that some of us mightn't even be able to see, you know. Yeah. Well, here, lads, look, the insight this morning's been absolutely brilliant. I know Daniel, you were giving off about the early morning start, like, but uh <laughs> as you up and about now, you can get to the gym and, and do your bits and pieces, like you know, and like Mark, back to bed. Mark can go away and, and do that coursework that he owes uh, his school uh, that he when he left St. Clemens, he still owes ah. his coursework. <laughs> but uh, no, but uh, listen, lads, on a serious note, we're we're on the we're on the uh, the gun to the head now. What is the what's the verdict? Mark, give us the verdict there. All year I said Dublin, I'm gonna change. Oh, gonna change. Yeah, I just think looking at the Kerry team on paper, I do think Kerry have the better footballers. And I'm looking at like the rest of Clifford now. Two reasons, Gene. Conor Callahan hasn't been at it this year for some reason. He's been very, very quiet. Now, if he it would take him to come out and have a really big final, but at the minute he's just not the con of a couple of years ago. With whatever reason, I don't know. I just look at the Kerry team. I think. Yes, Clifford accepted, but Sean O'Shea, you expect to have a bigger game. You'd expect Polly Clifford to have a bigger game. Paul Ganey, you would expect to have a bigger game. Mm. Like Paul Tom O'Sullivan will cause you damage. I don't think, when I look at the Kerry team, I think Dublin can't let any of them boys go. Whereas when I look at the Dublin team, I think Kerry will identify, look, well, Davy Byrne mightn't do as much damage up there. Mike Summons mightn't do as much. I just think Kerry have the better footballers. And I also, like, I think there's massive pressure in the Dubs. Simply because 
Luxingham back for one reason, one reason only. Jack McCaffrey's back for one reason, one reason only. Paul Mannion's yeah. back. So them boys in their head, it's now or never. And I do think if Dublin are beat, it will finish three or four. It could be the break. It could be five or six of these boys. I, go. I agree with you. Yeah. There's massive pressure in Dublin. And look, Pat Gilroy's back for a reason too. It was all looking back for this here. But now, as I said, months ago, I said Dublin because I just felt they were getting these boys all back. But the more it gets closer and I look at Cherry and they're thinking, Jack O'Connor, yes, he can back and he won an alarm. He won, but back to back alarms and Cherry. And it's the first time I actually think the quarter final game, I thought I'd seen a real hunger in Kerry and I just think this is the game Kerry will go and say well you have rubbed our nose in this for six in a row we're going to now I just think Kerry have better players better players all over and I think Kerry will win the game What's by two um, I agree with a lot of what Mark said I, I, I think I think I wouldn't be surprised with a draw to be honest with you <laughs> I, 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 if you're a betting man like I, I throw all I throw all kind of previous games out the window with this one I think this is going to take on a life of its own totally I do agree with Mark I think probably when you go pound for pound for individual players um, Kerry would be Kerry would be coming out on top on that but but and it's a big but that desire for those five or six lads to to to, to get that last All-Ireland because it will be a last All-Ireland there's no doubt like I'm looking at James McCarthy he looks like a man that's having this is my this is my final showdown like he's been phenomenal for the last couple of games that that desire could be enough to squeak it for Dublin, but I I genuinely could see us coming back here into in a couple of weeks for a replay. Yeah, I, I remember chatting to James uh, Donny James McCartan. He was working with um, McCarthy's club a few years back, and he was saying that even then, down the two or three years ago, James was saying that McCarthy was was really struggling with his hips and his groins, and you know, and there can't be many more miles left in the clock for a lot of those lads. That's there cannot be. That the famous Bally team that was beat. Who beat them in the championship that year? Not sure. And they were beat by uh, that was about they were beat early on. It was Brenton Haas or Brenton Haggett and James was in there that year? They were beat. Somebody beat them. Now you're smiling as if I'm, but uh, what, 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 I, I, I only made a point like give them on a break. <laughs> <laughs> and here, listen, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it on that, lad. So we're going for a carry and we're going for a draw. So I'll, I'll have, you, have you a prediction, Stephen? I'll go for Dublin just to balance it out. I'll go yeah. for Dublin just to balance it out. Here, look, I'll take the underdog. I'll take the underdog. Yeah. <laughs> lads thanks a million we'll, we'll maybe get chatting next week after the final for, for a bit of a review and what you thought but uh, look thanks for your comments there lads brilliant insight this morning I think the coaches will take a huge amount from that so so thanks again man thank you lads